Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Hey, welcome to 50 Shades of Green Divas. I'm Green Diva Meg. I'm Green Diva Max. Did you note that I kind of hesitated, like I wasn't sure? Are you green? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I? What am I? What's happening? What day is it? I don't know. But Um, uh, that's okay. But I have my brain fog moments, so it's all okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to say brain fart. Uh, I could say that, too. Too. Brain, it both both happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it comes at one end and goes at the other end. What can I say? Methane happens. Methane happens, and we're trying to reduce that too. <laughs> so, what we have for you today? Listen, there's no debate. I'm sorry, you might be trying to debate, but there's no debate. We are in the midst of a climate crisis. Mm-hmm. It's not just climate change. Now, I think it's really clear. And when Bill Nye, the science guy, lights the globe on fire and drops the F-bomb like he did for that segment. Um, John Oliver. (laughs) Right. so funny. Stuff is getting real when Bill Nye is, you know, flying with F-bombs. And, like, people, we need to pay attention. We are. We're paying attention, right? We we are, and our listeners are, and there are people who are. But then again, there are people who aren't. So we need to get to them. So listen, people, if you're the ones who aren't getting it, you need to get it. Yeah, because that'll help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? I don't think I, I think we all need to be uh, put in a spaceship as as uh, what was it Haw- Steve Hawkins said and just get out of off the planet. Somehow. Yeah, I think that was his like one of his last warnings right. to us as humans. Yeah, we got it. Well, well that and AI was going to be the end of us, which I tend to agree. It freaks me out that AI stuff. Yeah, Elon Musk says the same thing. By yeah, the way, I, I think it's dangerous thing. He's not happy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. So we here in the U.S. have now broken all recorded records for rain so far in 2019. Now, and and as the recording of this is happening, there are unprecedented amount of tornadoes happening in the Midwest, in Texas. Uh, And the flooding in the Midwest and the Southeast is causing catastrophic crop failure. Right, and that combined with tariffs are making the farmers very sad. Well, I mean, and, and it was predicted, and as predicted, uh, weather events would be bigger and bigger. They More would be extreme. supersized, extreme. As, as Paul Douglas says, mm-hmm. uh, by climate change. And we would start to have issues with food supply, which, is, scarily enough, could be start to happen. Soylent green. It's happening. Soylent it's green. happening. Soylent but, green. But you know what else is happening? You know what else is happening, Max? Human innovation, mm-hmm. resilience, and adaptation. And, you know, there are people out there who are being really innovative and creative and finding solutions. There's Drawdown, for instance, which has a hundred solutions. Hawkins, right? And those all, people. Right. They're all, you know, working on things that are already in place to reduce the greenhouse gases and, and carbon emissions. Right. So there is a pathway to to clear. Now, I mean, 
I don't know how we turn it all around, but but you know, let's let's at least the least we can do is be smart in adapting and in our future planning. Mm-hmm. And that's some of what we're going to touch on today, right? Right, cuz this episode we're going to talk about resilience and adaptation and how cities and small towns are preparing for the reality of climate change because there's it's happening all around us and we have to be conscious of what what that's going to do and what we need to do to to stop it, you know, or to help it or to resolve it, you know. And there are ways. I mean, a lot of ways. So, stay tuned. We have a lot coming up, um, a lot of good information and some good voices for uh, on this topic for you to hear. So, in the meantime, we're hoping that you'll interact with us on social media. Right. And by the way, I want to remind people we had a really fun time with our Thanks a GD Million campaign. And shout out, thank you to those that participated. Precipitated. They precipitated, precipitated, <laughs> and participated. And participated, you know, Dana and Harriet and Alice and Andrew and me, Heather and Max goats. And, and the goats. Goats, trees, goats, trees. Anyway, I want to encourage people to go to our YouTube channel. Look up Green Divas on YouTube. We have our own channel. Uh, and also find us on Twitter. Instagram at the Green Divas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have at Fifty Shades of GDs. Correct. Uh, at Green Diva Meg at TM Shades of Green, and of course we're on Facebook. Facebook, and we're on. You can you can conjure us up on uh, Alexa and Siri by saying, "Play the Green Divas podcast," and they will come up. Like, yo, <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> yo, bitch, <laughs> yo. <laughs> Yo, play play us some Green Divas, baby. And it happens. That's it, the funny part. I know. I've done it, and it's kind of fun. Anyway. It's cool. It's all cool. It's all good because we're trying to get information out and be entertaining, but because there's a lot out there that makes people crazy these days, so we try to kind of balance it. Hi, this is Marielle Hemingway, and you are listening to a Green Divas podcast. Climate change, obviously, is having an effect on a lot. And extreme weather is is happening everywhere. One in particular was Superstorm Sandy, which devastated New York City. And by the way, devastated two of my cars were totaled because we had a giant tree fall across our yard. Wow. Well, I I was out of my house for two weeks with my mom, who was in her 90s, and and a doggy and trying to find places to stay. Two weeks, no electricity. It was, I won't even go into the insanity of it all, but there were some nice things that happened because people were nice, but the whole experience just shook me to my core. Uh, So, but, but, and part of what happened is, you know, in New York City, the subways and trains are, which are still affected seven years later, currently still, they're working on an L line, which is huge, and that was from the storm. So MTA Chairman Joseph Loda said right after the storm that, and I quote, the New York City subway system is 108 years old, but it has never faced a disaster as devastating as what we experienced last night. Hurricane Sandy wreaked havoc on our entire transportation system in every borough and county of the region, end quote. And there are still areas in New York the Rockaways, which are just still coming out of it, and they're still 
houses that haven't been fixed, but the beach has now been fixed. Mm -hmm. um, and people can now go back to that beach seven years later again. And also in, you know, the infamous Jersey Shore issue where an entire amusement park kind of went into the water. And that was only things you saw on the air that you went, whoa. But it hasn't totally recovered either. So action is required, and it's going to take a significant investment in time, innovation, and money to get the system to levels which not only support the communities affected, but minimize the potential ja damage of future superstorms and increased sea level rise. And in addition to municipal infrastructure, corporations are beginning to factor in climate change into their planning and bottom lines. You know, they have to. Mm -hmm. and, and they're finding that it actually, in the long run, is more sustainable financially to do so. Public and private agencies have to step up and be willing to change if we are going to survive this. I found a, a nice quote here. It is a civilizational wake-up call, a powerful message spoken in the language of fires, floods, droughts, and extinctions, telling us what we need, an entirely new economic model and a new way of sharing this planet. And that's from Naomi Klein. This changes everything capitalism versus climate. Yeah, we have to kind of rethink a lot of things. Yeah. You know, we really need to 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 just put our collective will together and 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 do something to fix all this. What are corporations doing to deal with climate change? Uh, an article in Ideas for Leaders states that while a mitigation strategy is concerned with reducing greenhouse gases, companies are preparing to deal with the consequences of climate change including extreme weather that can put the company's people, assets, and operations at risk because they, they know that this is down the pike, you know, and it's costing insurance companies billions. Andrew Winston, who is one of our regular green dudes who focuses on business, asserts that not only is emphasis on sustainability and business profitable, it is the path to profitability, busting the myth myth that environmental regulation is bad for the economy and bad for business. Somehow we're going to put the, the economy at risk by tackling climate change is still this very old view that if you slow down emissions, you're somehow killing the economy and everyone's supposed to not use any energy and everyone's going to sit in their house and be cold or be too hot or something. And, you know, you still hear that all the time. And it's, it's just dead wrong, right? I mean, companies and the economies that go clean, they save money. They, go, they get, they're healthier, right? This is good for the economy. This is more jobs. I mean, it's all better to go down this path at this point. And, and almost every other major country gets this. Yeah. And we're going to be giving up, you know, in competitiveness from, from this. We're going to let China take the lead in building the clean economy. The Good Company is a sustainability research company that is consulting with communities, municipalities, cities, and companies about infrastructure and adaptation to prepare for and mitigate climate-related challenges. Founder Joshua Proudfoot understands that it is overwhelming for many people. Most of our customers are folks that recognize that there's something that needs to be done. Uh, they usually don't know where to start. 
and they're uh, trying to prioritize things, but also just assess how bad is it really. A lot of what we do is kind of behind the scenes coaching and education to the leadership to explain the urgency and the scale of it and the action that's required. That can be a challenge sometimes because they have very aggressive agendas. They have a lot to get done. Uh, they're dealing with things like affordable housing and social equity, which are also pressing needs. So climate change can be a little uh, weird and a little out there, but part of what we're doing is just helping them understand it. Climate change costs big bucks. For example, three storms that made landfall during the 2017 Atlantic hurricane season, Harvey, Irma, and Maria, a new rock group, together (laughs) cost the United States at least $265 billion. Ooh, that's B, with a B. Billion. And this is according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or the NOAA. Yeah, and the latest National Climate Assessments Report, mandated by Congress, focuses on the risks of climate change, specifically uh, to the U.S., And the latest one in 2017 crunched some numbers on potential loss in terms of dollars. Um, Yeah, if we continue on this current trajectory versus moderate action, even moderate action to curb emissions, okay? Heat-related deaths per year on the current trajectory without moderation is $141 billion per year. That's what it's going to cost us. That's insane. Now, if we have moderate, they calculated moderate action to mitigate would be only $59 billion in heat-related deaths. Now, coastal property loss per year without any mitigation is $118 billion per year versus $92 billion, which is still a lot. <laughs> and that's even with – because at this point, they probably can't do much mitigation because the, I think the – polar ice melts or whatever we beyond. We hit the tipping point. Yeah. Yeah, determining the what we would call the baseline of the cost of doing nothing can be a challenge. But what what we also do is we paint the picture of what their community looks like in the future if there's no change. And that that generally sets the stage for the urgency to what how do we need to adapt and how do we need to mitigate emissions to make that transition less uncomfortable and maybe even have some happy stories along the way? And now, Silly Science Facts with G.D. Max. Pigeons. Yep, yep, pigeons. In New York City, we call them rats with wings. And we often see what appears to be crazy ladies feeding them in the park. That would be me. Uh, Yes, pigeons are the scourge of the city, dropping poop bombs when you least expect it and where you don't need it, cooing loudly. Come on, coo. Very good. On a park bench, and yes, leaving their marks on those benches and on cars, trains, buses, boardwalks, your head, and anything else you can think of. But wait, 
before you malign these rodent-like flying critters, I believe these city birds really do get a bad rap. There is, however, some good news that might make you appreciate them more. And what news is that, Max? This is, this is, this is news out of Great Britain. According to an article in Gizmodo by Giuliana Viglioni via the Daily Optimist, researchers at the University of Birmingham in the United Kingdom have developed a tiny set of sensors that can be strapped onto the backs of <laughs> pigeons in order to collect data on the urban microclimate. Well, you might as well make them useful, right? I know. I mean, but, you're gonna. But, you know, I, I haven't seen this in action, but this sounds quite interesting. Uh, as the ultimate c- city dwellers in the air... British scientists place sensors on them to help measure block-by-block variations in temperature, humidity, and wind that affect living conditions in major cities. These measurements can help scientists combat air pollution and track climate change in cities, which is is amazing, I think. Yeah, that is. Uh, Not to worry, no pigeons have been harmed in this carefully safeguarded program. And I just want to quickly mention an homage to Cher Ami, who was a, a female homing pigeon, uh, who was uh, donated by pigeon fanciers of Britain? So Britain has a big connection to that, and they and she was used in World War One to help save a battalion. Yeah, and she won the Croix de Guerre, the Cross of War, which is on display at the Smithsonian Institute, and that's a pigeon on this, Aww. a pigeon. So. We have to really say, you know, wow, thank you so much for your service, pigeons. Uh, So this current project works with local volunteers who raise homing pigeons, a variety of the common pigeon that was selectively bred for its ability to find its way home. When the birds return to their lofts, the sensors are retrieved and the data downloaded. Each bird's backpack, yes, I say backpack. <laughs> Birds with backpacks. I'm just trying to picture this. I need an image. Yeah. I know. I mean, we got to find an image to throw on the web page. I know. <laughs> Birds, I'm Birds with backpacks. Uh, and it collects temperature, humidity, and ambient light information, as well as GPS location and air pressure. The data gathered by the pigeons can help researchers predict how air pollution travels around cities which in turn can inform decisions about where to build key infrastructure like hospitals and schools. Identifying hotspots can also help public officials make policies for climate change adaptation as our cities continue to warm and climate intensifies weather events. So the next time you badmouth a pigeon, think of the good they have done and are doing to save the planet. Super pigeons! Wow! That's so cool. Another silly science fact with G.D. Max. Well, okay, so while pigeons are doing their part for urban areas, we have green divas like Dana Ruggiero who were focused on highlighting resilience and good things that are happening in more rural communities. Dana is a documentary filmmaker. She's one of our green divas Mm -hmm. and is the producer of the Climate Listening Project. So with the Climate Listening Project, I've had an opportunity to collaborate with some amazing individuals who are not only adapting to climate change and creating resilience in their communities, after climate change impacts hit their communities, but they are creating resilience by 
creating solutions ahead of time. And I think that's the way we need to look at resilience now. We are already seeing the impacts of climate change across the United States and around the world. And we need to pick up, you know, our communities together, have the conversations now about how we can be ahead of these, ahead of these impacts. Dana has lived in Asheville, North Carolina region for over 10 years and intimately understands the Appalachian region and the importance of the abundant natural resources in that region. Appalachia is really important because it is one of the most biodiverse regions in the United States and also in the world. And it's also a place that relies on this biodiversity for the tourism industry, for the communities. People come to Asheville to enjoy nature. But birds, migratory birds, also rely on these areas for habitat. We need to protect these areas. The forests also are really important because the more standing forests that we have that provides us with clean air, clean water, and provides us with protection against climate impacts. So the city of Asheville is looking at the entire region, other communities. I was just in Boone, North Carolina, which is up at the top of the mountains here, and they are looking and listening to climate stories and creating a climate collaborative where city is working with the university, working with community members, and they're creating climate adaptation plans and climate resilient plans to better adapt to the climate impacts that they're seeing now and also to be more resilient in the future. Wherever you live, it is so important to become more aware of the real challenges your community faces and get active to find solutions. We're not likely to stop the climate crisis, but if we all wake up, we can participate in mitigating the damage and adapting by making smarter choices for development, agriculture, energy, transportation, you know, you know the drill. You can have a voice in how these things change. Go to your local town council meetings, join community groups that are solutions-based, and for God's sakes, vote. 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 Can we say it again? Yes, vote. Vote. For legislators and representatives that get it and are willing to make a commitment to big change for the environment. And stay on your current representatives on all levels of government. Hold their feet to the climate change fire. You know, we had Greta Thunberg say, you know, we're we're in the fire and they didn't start it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's getting hot out there, as Bill Nye, the science guy, said. Pay attention, folks. Our planet is on Everything fire. <laughs> and just to know, if you want to contact your Congress local, your, your congressperson or senator, you can go to congress.gov or clerk.house.gov or senate.gov. Make a call. They do record these calls. And the more you call and make, make a fuss and say, look, we got to start doing something, the quicker action could happen. Right on, sister. Right on, sister. Yeah, power to the peoples. <laughs> <laughs> So our our closing, we have a, a little weird theme that developed uh, kind of accidentally. Yeah, it is. Unconsciously, maybe. I or maybe, maybe it's Freudian. I don't know. It could be because, <laughs> you know, we have quotes by Peter, Paul, and Mary. And the Peter and Paul are different, but the Mary is the same of the Peter, Paul, and Mary group, Mary Travers. Uh, here we go. Here's some great minds that have 
some wise words to say mm-hmm. about these issues. And Paul Hawken said, we have the capacity to create a remarkably different economy, one that can restore ecosystems and protect the environment while bringing forth innovation, prosperity, meaningful work, and true security. That's awesome. Right on, Paul. And yeah, no, you got to read Pete Seeger, one, gonna, one of our, you know, favorites. Pete Seeger, oh my yes, God, I love Pete Seeger. Uh, Wim Away, and, uh, an incredible man. Um, he said this, if it can't be reduced repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled, or composted, then it should be restricted, redesigned, or removed from production. Seems kind of simple he's, and fundamental. He's, he's so spot on with this, so spot on. And then to complete the Peter, Paul, and Mary Freudian silly thing that I was thinking about <laughs> driving here, Mary Travers from Peter, Paul, and Mary uh, said this, I was raised to believe that everybody has a responsibility to their community. And I use the word very loosely. It's a big community. If I get recognized in the middle of the Sinai Desert, I have a big community. And she did. And she had an amazing, uh, she was one of my favorites, one one amazing folk. Good human. She just tried to do, you know, live live by, you know, the, the right rules and thoughts and golden rule so she was awesome so go out there folks get active in your communities and let's make a change you've been listening to the 50 shades of green a collaborative gig between the green divas and the many shades of green radio shows happily recorded at green diva studio be sure to look for this and other green diva network podcasts and the many shades of green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com. Mm-hmm.